Uh, I'm gonna post a thing on my Facebook just being like, oh, the episode is gonna go up soon. Uh, if you guys want to do that as well, that would be awesome. No one in my Facebook feed wants to hear this. I posted it, but very, very few people in my Facebook feed <laughs> have any interest. My 50 YouTube followers may one day want to join in, but that's only because of my vaping videos. <laughs> Your what videos? Uh, electronic cigarette vaping. Back a while are you ago, ser- I used to do are you, uh, reviews. Are you- are you doing a goof right now, or is this just some beautiful real life that I'm listening to? Did, did, did you blow, like, like sick Fat clouds. I blew humongous clouds. Clouds! I'm, like, fanning no myself right now. This is, this is the greatest <laughs> conversation that I have, I have been a party to. And welcome to Crit Chat, where a bunch of DMs are going to get together every week and discuss the important things in life. Like, are like all okay? Are all like half races, half human, or are there like weird like centaur orc babies running around? Because these are the things that we need to know. Uh, anyway, this week we have with us Adam Terry. Hi. Uh, we have Ian. Hi. And we have James, aka Lord Mage. Hello. Uh, but yeah, so my f- my good good friends, uh, we're talking this week a little bit more about how to create a world and all of its living creatures in D and D. So first off, I know I ma- so okay. I wrote the beginning as a goof, but then I couldn't stop thinking about half human, half orc, or half orc, half centaur babies running around. So is that like? Do you think that is chill? Or is that not something that's going to happen in D&D? Because I want my orc centaurs. I actually just saw something about this where, uh, I, I don't know, it was it was some Tumblr post or something about how um, it's strange that these fantasy races have become so codified. How like, like you were saying, how you only see a centaur with a human half. It's like, what if it was a centaur with a, a dragonborn instead of a human half? Or, uh, I'm all about that. Yeah, like oh, I'm so all about that. It, it only presents these like few very codified races, and um, I think I think it's kind of just because fantasy in general has sort of been Tolkienized ever since Lord of the Rings. So people only ever think like elves, dwarves, orcs, stuff like that. Um, True. So it's yeah. uh, it's just sort of I think that's just sort of what people have gotten used to. So no one ever uh, deviates from that really. Well, the other thing is is. Uh... A lot of times with homebrew, you have uh, the everyone wants to do, keep the orcs in the evil evil group, but generally when you're talking about a half orc and mixing it with a centaur, what you're really saying is you're making a half human because half the orc is human, so you take half human and you end up eliminating the orc for the stronger of the genetic, if you will. That just reminds me of um one of my player characters in my campaign. Uh, we talked a little while about uh, how his character is like a quarter orc because he's got like a half orc dad and uh, a human dad also in my world like you can have children if like you're a same-sex couple because like it's a fantasy fucking world and you can do what you want (laughs) but yeah we were talking about like how how that would manifest itself so we just we kind of settled on it was mostly just a cosmetic thing instead of anything that you know he would get any advantageous little extras for because uh, please don't try and cheat my game 
Well, mechanically, if you want to make a half race and you know combine two purebred races outside of the standard Tolkien set, you take a look at the rules for the one race, whatever it be, Dragonborn. You take another one for, let's say, uh, Orc. If one's a plus two to this and one's a plus two to that, what you're doing is taking half and making it half of this one and half of that okay. one. And, and then you end up getting a what I call meta min-maxers in your game. And they're not fun to play with. But, like, they're always there, and they probably always will be. Yes. But I like, I like, I like the, that kind of, like, conversation of how, how races are treated in the world. Like, like, as you were saying, like, the whole orcs equal bad guys. Orcs, orcs equal bad guys. Dragonborn, depending on how you want to do it. Because in my game, Dragonborns were a result of wizards playing with a dragon egg. So they created a special hybrid, if you will. And because of that, they're hunted and feared by humans, but they're also hunted by dragons. So it keeps their their population low. You you know, you don't want to have, you know, everyone wanting to be a dragonborn because, hey, then it's just going to become dragonborn versus every other race. It just doesn't work. I can't get this image out of my head of a wizard playing with an egg. Can you be more specific? <laughs> just tossing it around, oh. you know, playing catch well, with you, his oh, friends. You take take, you it, take your example, Tolkien, wizard, high tower, evil mage, creating the, you know, the half-orc uh, masses, which are basically clones and playing with dirt and oil to create what they want. So you take the egg and you throw a bunch of random magics at it, and hey, boom. So there is throwing involved. There is a lot of throwing, and in my case, there's a lot of dice throwing, because every race is a dice. I leave a lot of stuff to the roll of the dice. So that's why, you know, (laughs) if a player goes, hey, you're targeting me, I'm like, it wasn't me. Blame the dice. (laughs) Even though in the back of my mind, you're like, I'm targeting you a little bit. Only a little, though. It's fine. So long as so long as everyone's having fun at me picking on you, I'm not picking on you. <laughs> oh god. I um yeah, the I, I like like especially though those kind of races that were the newer additions, I guess, to the game. So like your um your like dragonborns and like your tieflings are are fun to kind of mess with because normally if people are wanting to play those kind of races, then they're wanting to step outside the norm. Because uh, versus like I, my my the first character I played I wanted to play an elf because I wanted to play an elf like that's you wanted what. to play Legolas admit it you wanted to be Legolas <laughs> look I didn't want to I did and I'm successfully still doing it well in terms of races there are quite a bit if you, you know there's D and D Beyond it lists a bunch of things oh, yeah. that you can do and play races and what the mechanically how they would work and kind of what they would look like. And then I go, hmm, that's not the one I'm playing. You know, take World of Warcraft. Yeah. They've got tons of D&D races in them, but most of them are NPCs for a reason. <laughs> one of, one of the, the things that I like to do uh, in the world is think about the kind of the suppositions that people normally have about races or kind of, not even trying to divert that, but just kind of like work it around to my kind of way of thinking about things. Like there's... Everything in the world about like tieflings and how 
they were born because basically people can't stop fucking demons, uh, which is my my favorite backstory. <laughs> well, see, tieflings, tieflings. You also have the uh, you know the NPC version, which is uh, was it Charmond or something like that. It's basically the the evil demon portion took over, not the human portion. You know, there, there's all kinds of weird things, and it's not that humans can't stop fucking demons. It's that demons can't. You know, get into your mind and make you see make you want to fuck them a lot. And make you oh, want right. them to have your children or vice versa. I just love this world where like people are walking around like, I just can't stop fucking demons. <laughs> You've got like fucking blog posts about it. Just like, what do you do when you like, you just, you have the need to fuck demons sometimes. Like, they, they're, stop being so sexy. We'll but that's the thing, you don't it. know they're de- a demon. They've got some polymorph Boo. one. You don't know it's a demon until your kid comes out. I mean, you might And a few not. years later, when the, when the you know genetics kick in, they get stolen in your sleep. Hey, think of a hag. Come on. How else are they going to propagate? So how common are demons in your guys' world? And what is the race distribution like? Is it mostly human? Is it uh, an even split between the races? Because I know most of my players choose not to be human. And that makes it tough when, in my mind, my world was human-dominated in the first place. Well, initially when I started my Lothar campaign, no World of Warcraft reference intended, uh, it was meant to be a, you know, a boiler pot West Marches style. So there's a mix of all the races in the capital starting city. But then as the players played and they mess with time and a bunch of other things because mine is really sandboxed. Uh, what ended up happening is, is now I have all the races segregated into their own little town, starter towns, and they're all trying to vie for power. And it works really well because I have no humans in my camp, no human player characters. So okay. the humans are, can be the bad guys. Demons? Separate but equal. Demons, on the other hand, are Yikes. not quite <laughs> yeah. in my world directly. <laughs> I, I do have gods in my world, but mainly because they're in, like, pocket dimensions. But it's not bad. It works. You know, if I need a demon, I'm going to pull a demon out of my hat. But so far, I've only had a lich. Yeah, I, for, for my world, I uh, I went down the route of... I, it makes sense to me that there's a higher population of elves just because elves live a they lot live longer. longer. They live longer, and it's like that's more time for them to have children and they can have children at any point and all those children are going to grow up so like at any point one person just, could have like a thousand children because that's you just, okay just have to keep in mind the uh, the adult elf is 150 to 200 years old depending on your world yeah so like if but like in our and they world, live at you, max to a thousand if you're lucky yeah but like at the same time like in our human lifetime you have people that have eight children and that we only live like a hundred years max. Let's not talk about Octomom. There's worse than eight children out there as well. The Duggar yeah. family. Oh God! But yes, please no. Please. I no. always, I always assumed that elves were uh, less sexual in general. Uh, maybe that's just uh, me projecting onto the elves. But actually, <laughs> I, I, I see them as a more of an artsful race. You know, I hate to say it, but uh, Tolkien's Shimmerillion was a very detailed elf society, and. Uh, you didn't see them as the fornicators. You saw them as they reproduce when they need to reproduce. They stay in balance and they focus on one thing and they do it well. You know, and yeah. I see them as a mix between feudal Japan and Tolkien elf in my game. Yeah, no, like I, I, 
I was like, I didn't see them so much as like non-sexual or like hypersexual, but just more along the lines of just kind of human-esque in their in their needs and wants. Just because like I, it just made sense to me being like, there's more of them. Also, you identified with that. <laughs> yeah, like it was. I don't know. It, I I think that my my thinking of it was I I have uh. Even though I like playing, I like playing wood elves and like drow because they're like the underlings. I have a particular hatred for the high elf, like everything <laughs> is perfect kind of elf. So making oh, well. them like the dominant species makes it a lot easier for me to put them as the bad guy. <laughs> See, for me, for me, the ruling class of the elf were the high elf, nobleborn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you wouldn't have liked my original mage because he was a high elf, Sylvanas. I still remember his name. Oh my god. But uh, in terms of elves in general, I tend to give them a really stuck-up, snooty attitude. Yep. And they look down on anyone who's not an elf in general. And elves who aren't high elves, oh god, they're servants. They have to be. Otherwise, why would I talk to you? Uh, Ian, how about you? Like, How do you like kind of do the distribution in your world? Um... I generally try to shy away from uh, from human-dominated worlds. I find it really boring playing humans in fantasy games because I am a human. So yeah. I kind of... I got that down. I'd like to do something else now. Do you have that down, though? <laughs> I mean... Ooh, that's some shade off the bat, motherfucker. I'm just, all you I'm know, trying to say is that there are a lot of different ways... charisma check. <laughs> There are a lot of different ways to be a human, and you're saying that you've got all of them down, yeah, and you'd fair. like to try their races. Okay, yeah, there's that, a lot I, of ways to roleplay that. I think we just met a druid in real life. Yeah, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with it. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty much set. I'd like to try something else. Um, yeah, I, uh, I used to play a lot of Pathfinder back in the day, and humans are a little overpowered in that system. So my parties would end up being mostly human, and I always thought that was really boring. It's what I like about fifth edition is that they kind of nerfed humans a little bit so the parties are a lot more diverse yeah generally my campaigns i have like the one human kingdom that's an aspect of it but i try to shy away from making it human dominated yeah like i i get what you mean like that whole idea of like i i do human stuff like every day i do human stuff i want to do elf stuff today it's very similar to the human stuff I do, but whatever. I was going to do it one of two ways with my thing. Equal in all things, or if I was going to ha- do hu- human a human town, it was going to be totally xenophobic. Like, <laughs> full yeah. on, like, you're an elf? Oh shit, you're going to be washing my boots. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was all kinds of, you know, using historical slavery references, a little bit of Nazi World War II Germany. And I was going to, and I was like, hold on. And I looked at, I stood back, looked at it through another person's eye and I was like, oh my God, that is racist. It's, I can't play this. It's like, I made, I made it too real is the problem. I made it far exactly. too real. I think very little of humans. Yeah. So I nerfed it entirely and made it equal in all things. And then of course, when I decided to go from a, you know, railroad to sandbox, that's when I left a it up to how my players interacted and the roles. So if a player interacted poorly with a dwarf, then dwarfs are going to interact poorly with the player. It works perfect. Yeah, like the, it kind of like a, instead of like historical hatred, it's like person by person. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how about you, Adam? How about your How about your fantasy world? I don't know why I said it in a weird, sexy well, way. I don't often actually get to play, and you know, from this conversation, I'm feeling I might be the newest person to Dungeons and Dragons in this conversation. But uh, 
when it came to the world that I built, which was definitely a mistake to attempt to build in the first place, I decided to integrate all the races, um, which oh, that's has a led to a lot of, str- yeah, well, I don't actually go into that many towns. I try to avoid them as much as possible. <laughs> uh, but I, I wrote some backstory, which involved uh, a big war of the races, which then led to an integration of the races, uh, which is sort of falling apart. Uh, so you went Tolkien Five Armies deal where they had to take yeah. care of a big bad guy, and then they kind of went all in their own way. Yeah, without being specific enough to even know exactly what happened myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of went the the opposite way because one of one of the the things of world building in general is yeah, it's it's helpful to think about past wars and things and like. A lot of the time, they suggest like uh, the races sometimes like don't see eye to eye. So how how that uh, factors in? Um, so I, I kind of went opposite way of uh, they there was like the big war, and in the end of it, they they kind of decided to agree not to agree and kind of take their own separate things. Uh, but again, in my in my general uh, what's the word discontentment with human nature. In the real world, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, but but a lot of like the humans, like it was like humans versus elves mostly, because the humans were like, oh, uh, none, like it's elves that are like overruling all of us. So now all of us want to be equal. Where in actual fact, they were just doing it for their own damn selves and didn't give a fuck about any of the other races out there because humans were really cool like that. Well, you also have to think about your theme, whether you're running a one-shot or whether you're running a long campaign and who your big bad guy is going to be at the end. When I started mine, I knew dragons were going to be the big bad guy. So, of course, I was like, there was a dragon war. There was a dragon that was terrorizing villages left and right. And those villages got together. And that's why the big central equal in all things started. And a human is the first one who got successful in driving it back. So that's why he has more control. But then the players went back in time and messed with a few things. And, well, the Empire is gone. It's just a little village. And now I get to play with their memory. Oh, good time travel. Oh, no. If, if you're my players, spoiler alert, don't listen. Oh god. Yeah, there's some very specific episodes I'm not going to tell my people to listen. Actually, my players are actually really nice with not Aww. using meta and two one of them is a long-term DM that wanted some player time and yeah. I figured by the time they get I start getting a little burnout with the story, I'm like, "Okay, are you ready to run a game because I really want to be a player?" Oh yeah. And mind you, I've been DMing for about 4 months. Uh and I've changed pl- a few players here and there simply from drop-offs. And I've got t- the same world for two games. One game is completely all new people. New to D&D, new to Roll20, new to Virtual Tabletop. And they've been really shocking me with their decisions. But then again... I, I got a little... I thought we were going a different way because I heard nudity and D. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> weird different episode for us to talk about. But like, oh, yes. sorry, my boy. I'll be a little clear next time. So there's something there's something really interesting, I think, underneath all of what we just talked about with the races, because it kind of presumes there's an assumption of what these races are like and that they all have very generalized dispositions and personality traits that are tuned to that races. And by having those defined, you define how people will interact with them or how someone's character who's an orc who is actually nice and happy 
might be different from the rest of their race. Well, you're right, and it's good to actually, when it comes to planning your NPC races, is keep it as generic as possible, simply because if a player decides to play that race, they can go and be substandard your NPC race, and depending on how extreme you take it, like Orc and Half-Orc, or even Tiefling, or even Demon Spawn, if you want to go that route, um, you can have the antithesis because for every good person or good act there's someone out there who's being a total dick i think i think it's um it's one of the episodes that i was going to suggest at some point is how DD is kind of a reflection of the real world uh which i think is interesting because it is like there's a big emphasis in DD on like the races and how as you were saying um it is very much like this is the assumption that you have about every single one of the races, but it's not like every single one of each of those races are the same. Cause that's not how, that's not how human personalities work really. But they're not yeah. all humans. <laughs> then the, the other thing that actually affects a lot of players, especially new players, not the players who are, you know, back in the eighties that had to deal with the satanic panic and the players like me who started when they were young, but the players who come from console games come from the railroaded storytell experience, and then they go, "Oh my god, I can go to that town! Yeah. I don't have to do this quest." That yeah. blows their mind. Yeah, that's always a fun thing. Like when again, this is for a completely different episode, but like when you introduce new people and they realize just what they can do. Uh, we we had a question in chat uh, asking from I'm your hero. Asking if we ever work with our players to determine the racial spread of the world. That's exactly how I did my world. My world started out as a very blank Google site. And every session, which is weekly for my players, every session we play and add different points to the world. You know, a player wanted to be, at some point, wanted to be an Asian from a far off continent. So I was like, boom, that's, that's where you're from. And, you know, you know, if a player wanted to play, a player wanted to play Dragonborn, they did it kind of bad. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm nuking Dragonborn. I change everything based off of how the players play the world. You know, that's why I like Westmarch's style, simply because nothing happens in the town. You have to leave the town. The farther away from the town you get, the more dangerous it could be. And it works quite well. You have zones. And you flesh out those zones with your players as needed. Uh, how about how about Ian? Do you do you do any like working with the players for how to shape the world? I can't even get my players to write a character background. <laughs> they are not interested in world building. <laughs> oh oh no. wow! Oh, like, that was the most condolences. That was the most dejected I've ever heard. Someone. I feel exactly the Seriously? same way. Oh. <laughs> like I, this all sounds like a wonderful fantasy dream. You can get your players to help you world build. Jesus. Yeah. Ask oh, them for man. a name and they're like, I don't know, Hank? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> See, Seriously. You have players that are both perspective. Like, anyone who used to GM, who wants to have a player, like, I have a player in my 4 p.m. game on Saturdays, he can provide me with the most detailed backstory on something. Like, he was going to miss a couple sessions. So I said, Here's the basic points of what you're going to experience while you're investigating. He came back with pages. I was like, yeah. thank you. I, you just saved me like days of creating material. Those are my <laughs> His, players as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I have one player who's just like, uh, I don't care. My name's Ken too. Uh, I'm, I'm loyal to the, uh, to the king. There's a king, uh, right? I'm, I'm like, 
a soldier? I'm like, okay, fine. You're, you're the I don't care guy. I know exactly what I, you're going to say every time I ask you a question. <laughs> I don't care. Do I get the hit Why stuff? Why this good fantasy realm? Oh, boo. Yeah, like, so um, either Adam or Ian, how, how do you guys kind of deal with that, like, task? Because I, I, I spend so much of my time, like, using what my players want to shape the world. How do you guys deal with having everything on your shoulders? Good lord. I, uh, I drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, Weed is legal where I live. Uh. You take plant A. And, you know, you put your player, you can introduce your players to plan A and throw it out the window because they're going to come up with something totally different. And that's fine. You don't have everything on your shoulders. What you say is you have encounters, you know, an encounter can be, you know, so many monsters, so many traps. You slow down the players a little bit to get them from point A to point B. And they're doing one quest, but they might find two or three other items in that thing. They don't even trigger the hook for that. That's okay. Put it aside. And all of a sudden, the something they were interested in doing ends up being that exact quest. Hey, you didn't waste your time. You know, uh, I will say this. Uh, there is an interesting uh, person with a very good perspective. His name is Matt Coville. Oh, he has yeah. a running the, D- running the Game series that probably does sort of uh, answer a lot of those uh, player agency and, you know, storytelling aspect of things that... I probably will never even have to worry about because yeah, my players are just so here. Have your detail. Yeah, like I, I, it, I, it's very, it's very interesting to be like thinking of that different kind of way that you have to go about world building, like deter- like based on like what your players are like, like uh, for for like and the kind of play style that they want because there are players that. As I was saying, like they they kind of just want to go and hit things, uh, which is totally fine. Which means that you don't. Even though you might want to, you might not have to do as much world building just because, like, you know, it's not going to change too much from world to world. If you swing your sword at something, it's probably going to get hit. Yeah, for the players who only want to beat things up, I have what I, I have what's known as it's called dungeon crawling. You're, you wake up in the middle of a dungeon. Where are you going? I don't know. Which way do you want to go? And I just let them play. Um, Adventure League is similar to that. You want to do nothing but role-playing? That's fine. You don't have ever have to hit a monster, but it's going to kind of stink being a level one civilian trying to negotiate a peace treaty. I think that's, again, another episode thing of, like, how yeah. how to kind of deal with adventuring, depending on what your, what your uh, players, players are want. really wanting. But um, Session I'll... Zero is a good tool. Session zero is a great tool. Oh, that's uh, we're we're talking about that at some other point, real soon, I think, real soon. Um, but yeah, so moving away from races a little bit, because boy, have we talked for like half an hour about it. Uh, <laughs> how about um, how about uh, the the classes? The other like main thing that people have to think about with players um, is there anything that uh, people do with specific classes in the world? Mostly, I was because they're talking about like magic and magic users and like how to how the world is shaped and how it's different based on like how much of each class is in the world i guess i took a similar approach when i designed my game you know all the classes are there they're equal in all things but then i was like "Mm." in my case sorcerers um are wild magic variant and magic itself is you know straight up 
the raw power of nature in some way, shape, or form. So you have life, neutral, and death. You have druids who are, you know, about survival of the fittest in life. So, hey, there's a bad druid and there's a good druid, you know. And it worked quite well for my players, you know. But no one's wanted to go extreme anywhere outside of the realm of core rules. I just flavor it differently. Yeah. I've given my world a pretty different sense of magic. Most of my players, they, they play within the realm of the, the core book, but I gave magic uh, an infusion into technology so that anyone could use it, which did force a middle class to arise Ooh. based on the manufacture of uh, items that channel magic. Um, that's created basically things like magical batteries. Um, it sounds like you went kind of fairy tale with it with lacrama and magic storage devices. I'm so in love with it. Like, I, I need to know, like, everything about this, just so you know. Like, you're about to talk for about a thousand years, because boy, do I need to know about this, like, magic technology world. Like, where did that even come from? Uh, where it came from, I I honestly would say Taz Knights. Um, the concept of technomancy is something that uh, that struck me when I listened to that. Uh, so what I decided was to install a uh, sort of an economic class of wizards who have invented a technology that can channel magic so that non-magic users could use it to improve their day-to-day lives. So it, it's basically a way of uh, putting electricity into the world without having to actually put electricity in the world. So if I wanted to power an elevator, say, I could just put one of those magical batteries into it and have it work that way. And that's all the excuse I need. But where that power comes from and where that magic comes from is going to be, play a big part in the uh, the later stages and end game of the campaign. Ooh. So is it, this is the note for if anyone's in Adam's campaign, go the hell away now. <laughs> oh, they're not listening. They're more like, they're a lot more like Ian's players. They, they've given me, some of them actually have given me quite a lot. Most of them give me quite a little. I do have a, a buddy listening, but he's not in my campaign. Like, I, I love that, like, kind of, like, this is a little bit what we talked about last week and the, those kind of, like, different variants that you can give your world. Because um, I had heard, like, obviously, because I'm a big listener of the Adventure Zone, as I know, I don't believe you are. Um, and that, that kind of, like, cool infusion of, like, modern technology and how kind of close it is to magic and just being able to integrate that in the world. Oh, yeah. I, you know, a lot of modern day tech would be definitely seen as magic if you go back far enough in time. And even in games, you can use anything. In a, heck, a cell phone. Hey, let's have fun with that. I could see that. Well, in my case, I created five magical items that were meant to be going to my party. Um, each one require did something different and, you know, of course requires attunement and it's really rare, like beyond legendary. Each one of these will eventually, <coughs> players, if you're listening, hold your ears, uh, uh, will eventually actually restore the world's balance because quite literally, um, the world was created through an accident, if you will. The gods literally dropped the meteorite on a planet and created a, an island chain with a vortex in the middle of it. So... You know, I had a little fun with it. You know, I've created, you know, medicine, you know, non-magic medicine. Created all kinds of things because players come to me with an idea and I happen to like it. Like a player really liked the idea of the psychic paper from uh, Doctor Who. So now I have a psychic paper that I can play with them with. You know, it's like all of a sudden your pocket starts getting hot. You pull it out and it says, save her. And that's all it says. And, you know, he's got to figure out which her it is and save her now. She's, you know, all kinds of, like, plot hooks I can get through that. 
I gave a player a sonic screwdriver and they still haven't figured out what it does. <gasps> oh, what? <laughs> Did you describe it exactly like a sonic screwdriver? Because, it's literally oh. a, a, a screwdriver you ding on a lock to like make it vibrate and open it. And they, they just haven't tried it yet. Oh they haven't figured it out at all. That's so oh, that's going to be oh. so much fun. Yeah, not only will they lockpick with it, but hey, did you forget you can also turn other technology off with it? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be so kind of fun. <laughs> there was uh, one campaign I ran where a friend of mine played a half-elf warlock, and he came up with the most ridiculous backstory for it um, that I only okayed because he'd put so much work into it. The, the warlock's name was uh, Rick Sanchez. And, uh, no! <laughs> oh no! Oh god! So he was he was playing a Rick from um, the multiverse of Rick and Morty, I guess. And uh, oh, his patron was another Rick from another universe oh, who was contacting him in his dreams. Um, and the, I think I gave everyone a magic item to start with. So he started with a rod of the Pact Keeper, um, which he flavored as his like ray gun thing God. i don't watch rick and morty so i don't really know what i'm talking about but uh his oh. portal gun that's what it is his portal yeah. gun uh was his rod and all of his magic was just purely technological but he called himself a wizard so people wouldn't question where he got his powers from that's so that sounds like an, oh. a wicked concept and it, it in, was fantastic in your, in your shoes i probably would have done the same thing I'm like oh my god approved <laughs> like done. I I had to uh, take a good long while to approve one of my player characters um, because she came up to me and she's like, "Okay, I've got a character, and I really want to do this." And I was like, "Okay, you're saying it in a slow way, which means you know I'm not gonna like it." And she's like, "I would like a character that is prophetic, like able to make prophecies." And I was like, "Uh huh." So you want to know? everything before it happens and ruin my campaign. Um, so it was it was a time of uh, trying to work around that and see how she wouldn't break my fucking game with it. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's not so much of a good game if you're like, oh, here's a big surprise encounter that you're about to come upon. But my friend just prayed and she's now able to see what it is and its all weaknesses and shit. So, oof. Oh, see, that's the beautiful part. With someone with prophets, prophetic visions, you can tell them what they might experience. But here's the thing. Yeah. All you got to do is tweak the experience and say, hey, guess what? You changed the future by knowing it. Yeah, that, 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 I've, I've been able to work with that a little bit. I've also, I also managed to work around it with there are people after her. Uh, people that also have visions and things. So I've like, I was like, okay, here's a ring that makes sure that they can't find you. That also means you can't spy on you because you use the same fucking magic as they do. Um, which I've liked is like the, the, yeah, kind of what I, what I started talking about with the, the different kinds of magic that exist in the world. So her, her magic comes from like a specific deity. Uh, so I would believe that that magic feels and is experienced different from say just like another cleric who uses a different god or for like a druid whose magic is just genuinely pulled from the environment or a like if you if you have a character that has the magic within them like a wizard or or like warlocks who they draw it from within 
which I've always found really interesting in terms of like thinking about how everything is going to play out and how everything's going to look. Well, in in my world, wizards uh, are book learning. Uh, Sorcerers are the innate ability. Besides druids can be kind of a little bit of both. And then the warlocks, of course, draw their power from a pact with a demon or an old one or whatever the case may be. People want to fuck demons. It's all a metaphor for fucking. Just putting it out there. Yeah, I I done fucked this demon and then I got these magic powers. No one's making a lifelong pact with something that they don't want to fuck. The best rule of thumb that I seem to, that always works to kind of keep your players in check, especially if they're going to ask for something you really don't want. If you can do it, Bad guys can probably do it, too. Yeah. And that stops them right then and there because, hey, someone wants to be have prophetic visions. Well, the bad guy's going to have prophetic visions, too. And, hey, guess what? They cancel each other out. <laughs> that was really? that was a big part of her backstory. So I was like, okay, so everyone's now able to see everything. I'll I'll work it out. It'll be, it'll be fine. Oh, it'll I'll, be fine. I'll just cry a bit about it. It's yeah. cool. I need to make a warlock now whose flaw is can't stop fucking demons. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, fucking careful when you're throwing out a flaw. Well, in which case, oh, yeah. give him a... You have to have high charisma and... Uh, make sure he has a, a high wisdom yep. so he can constantly pass his possession saves. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> he'll have to be weak everywhere else. Make him a bard even better. Because then bards, bards could definitely can't stop in, in general. Like, it's not a flaw yeah, to want to fuck demons. Whole new definition to demon hunter. <laughs> yeah. oh, gets, a, gets his power by betting demons. Guys, um, I'm just gonna, like, go away for, like, a hot 10-15 minutes and write a new NPC for my campaign. Uh, don't worry about it! Is that what you call it? Writing an NPC? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's how the players see it. God, uh, I'm just, like, this is so much worse because, um, during my campaign... So, th- this is another thing of how, how like, the, the players influence, uh, influence your world. Um... One of my player characters is a tiefling, and she has uh, insisted that all tieflings are constantly out to fuck each other, and so that's that's how that's the Not kind of literally the or physically. Oh, very physically, very oh, okay. physically, and which is why we had our first uh, sex uh, role play, which was real weird and real fun, and her boyfriend <laughs> was in the room, so that was cool. Oh, even better. Yeah, like, we, we went to her house to play, and her boyfriend had never, ex- like, played or heard anyone play D&D before. Um, and his, his, his first, And all of a sudden, know, he thinks his girlfriend is cheating on him in some yeah, kind of phone sex With a very, very sexy other tiefling. Because <laughs> people can't stop fucking demons, but demons can't stop fucking each other. And now it's canon in my stupid, idiot sex world. You have a very horny campaign. Can we have a... I, I didn't! Say. They made the horny campaign! I had a nice, wholesome campaign, and they made it horny as hell! Now, now all you gotta do is yeah, have a few sure you uh, politically correct principles come along, and a few <laughs> uh, naysayers and some Catholic holy rollers, and bring it back to pure goodness. Is your campaign just gonna turn into Footloose? 
Honestly, it might. See, and that's another worry because two of the the player characters are starting a romance. I'm like, hey, guys, if I have to listen to my friends roleplay sex, I am going to rip out my ears. I'm too gay for your shit. We're not supposed to be roleplaying dirty dancing now. Let's get back to killing things. Is that what you call it, ripping out your ears? (laughs) God damn it, I hate this. This is the goof I'm least happy with forever. (laughs) Bad goof, sad goof. Hey guys, welcome to the middle of the podcast chat with me, just Ismay, just the two of us all alone, sexy together. Sorry that this is such a weird, horny episode. We, we talked a lot more about uh, fucking demons than I anticipated, and don't worry, we've not stopped. That was not the end of it. Other than that, uh, just notes, uh, sorry that last week took so long for the recording to come out. Um, that was with all the issues that I talked about before, uh, but we got there, we got, we got it out like the day before the next episode came up, so that, that counts as being on time. Hopefully this one will come out a little sooner, it's not crashed on me so far, so that's a good thing. We'll do our little mini plugs. As we said last week, you should totally go and check out Remco's campaign. It's on The Unlikely GM on Twitch. Uh, it's going to be every Sunday at 7pm uh, where you get to listen to like some good D&D, good D&D play uh, instead of DMs talking about their worlds and demon fucking. I mean, it might have demon fucking in it. Who knows? The world is a horny, horny place. Also for me, of course, you can find me on a Teacup Gamer on Twitch and just Teacup Gamer on YouTube. Uh, currently, the game that I'm playing is going back, uh, having a little nostalgia time with RuneScape. I don't think we actually got anything else to discuss this week, so it was a little, little short break. So hopefully you'll enjoy the episode and get ready for more talking about fucking demons, because we're just, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I have no excuses. There's no excuse for what we're doing here. Side note, is there a way to incorporate dice into the bedroom I'm, no. I'm, I'm, yes um, there is and if you can look it up on google it exists like, trust girl me. if you haven't i will recommend i thought about this earlier and i want to see if i can find it now now i think it's on my external hard drive there was a third edition book about how to incorporate sex into your D campaign my dude there was i i have the rules for it i don't know if it's the real rules but oh fuck what do we call it um i think it was called sex craft oh no sweetheart it's called the the res erection ritual so what what you do um it's based on um if you've ever watched critical role they have a very different way of doing like the resurrection ritual to make it a little more interesting than just you can never die basically um and you have it's so the resurrection ritual is you choose three skills that you have to explain to the dm how you're going to be using them in the sex so it was um that my my character used charisma obviously to entice them into bed um they used um arcana because they were like oh i want to make the lights flicker and dim and i wanted they were using fucking thaumaturgy and they're like i would like the ground to rumble and i was like i hate this again this is an ear crime that you're doing to me um and they used yeah and they used uh one other but you have to have your main skill at the end so you use those and depending on the success or failure of those it raises or lowers the final dc and then you have to roll your final check and you see how good your sex is 
the worrying part was for that, for that particular one, didn't matter because that was a natural 20 and the best sex of anyone's life ever. Oh, man. She was handcuffed. The 3.5 book was actually called The Book of Erotic Fantasy. That's it. Oh, no. And it exists. It it, it exists. It's real. I'm not reading it, but it's... But the one thing that it does tell you is... Uh, there's a picture in the book that uh, you can find on a Wikipedia that tells you whether or not two races are compatible to even have a child. Oh, Jesus. okay. Oh. So, you, for example, your orc... I thought you were going to say something a lot worse. Your orc and your centaur are actually that's, not compatible. Oh, interesting. According to Core. That's so cool. Like, yeah. uh, that's called eugenics. Uh, the way they... The, the, literally, it's interspecies crossbreeding Ooh. is what it says Ooh, I don't Wikipedia. like the way it's put it. I don't like the way it's put it at all. That makes me feel bad on my insides. <laughs> like, oofty dufty. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, that's it's it's really cool. like I've never heard of this before. Like that's really cool. I'm gonna definitely like take a look through that. Being uh, although I don't uh, like um, that the Amazon link that's in chat right now is down as Amazon.com/slash playing erotic couples beginners advanced. I don't want to click that. I'm gonna link it over in our Discord so you can no look please. at it at your leisure. Oh, I don't. My leisure is. I don't. I want leisure, not. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said it creepy, and I'm sad about my life and my choices. I think, I think my favorite part of that book is how it broke down how each alignment approaches sex. So it was like, here's how a lawful good person does it. Here's how a neutral good person does it. Or how about cursed orgasm? There's actually <gasps> a mechanic for a cursed orgasm. Are you kidding me? It actually deals 1d6 per caster level to a maximum of 10d6. Hey guys, for real, just like just like to like bring it down to a very real level right now, we're aware that D&D is the best game on earth, right? What the fuck? <laughs> Mind what you, this was 3.5. There's been a couple editions since then, but I think that's going to be for another episode. Yeah. Well, you know, 5e is all about the role playing. Hey guys, we're going to have to have an entire episode dedicated to D&D sex because this is the great greatest thing i've ever experienced i hate it i hate it and everything is so far 10 minutes of our world building episode has been about sex i I envision i envision is me blushing out the wazoo right now thinking (laughs) of all the combinations oh here's the like i don't know how i've sounded so much like this is not the thing i talk about on like a daily basis to my very very (laughs) uncomfortable girlfriend slash partner like boy do they hate it but it's very fun (laughs) oh god so world building yeah look well you well in order to build the world you do have to you know do you have to get fucking Oh god! You can't build a world without fucking a few demons. That's what I always say. I mean, That's get, what I just said. Hey yeah. guys, hey, are we are we popular enough to get like a T-shirt? Because I want that to be the first one. <laughs> is that is that a T-shirt? <laughs> That's a T-shirt. You can't build a world Let's... without fucking a few demons. I mean, come on, it's D and D. But okay, actual world building. Oh God! It sounds so like now it sounds so boring. How about let's talk about the politics of your world? Well, brothels tend to be a pretty big part of D and D towns, <laughs> and surprisingly enough, I've put brothels in towns and never considered the idea that a player might actually have sex in one. Oh, well, my players yeah. actually want to use a brothel as an information network. Yes. They want to put brothels and, and gambling houses in every town and oh, use that as a way of getting information from the NPCs. All right, Sherlock. You know, you know, politics, politics, anytime you have war and religion riding the same card, you know, there, you know, there are going to be problems. 
And, you know, politics is a great way to do it. Yeah, like, so, uh, how, how have you guys, like, dealt with, like, politics in-game? Like, have you, have you, like, ever done the whole, like, political, oh, experience <laughs> in the, in the Well, well uh, in one quest my players were given were to secretly kind of handle a very bad cousin of the emperor at the time, and awarded someone with a duchess title should they do it you cannot say uh, handle the emperor after all we've been saying well literally they literally uh, had a quest chain that completely involved assassinating a one of the middle management bad guys and then of course you know politics you know works well when you have a overzealous overactive uh imagination and you know you know you're gonna have to rein it in somehow to create something that's fun because imagine, my original world was going to not work because it was just too realistic. That's that's a terrifying nightmare thing in D&D. Is like, I, I add a lot of realism to it, like as I was saying, like it, uh, the kind of weird suppositions with races and that in, is very kind of indicative of real life. But like, God, I just want to, I want to, I want to enjoy the the fantasy sometimes too much to enjoy like writing about politics. Cause I get I use D and D to get away from politics. Like I don't want to read about it anymore. I go a completely different route, which is that I like D and D for the the aspect of storytelling, which is inherently about um, how we interact with each other and how the world interacts with people and how people influence that world back. So uh, economics and politics are a big part of it. But I'm not trying to necessarily escape human nature. Go go the route of um, think well. I do like things that can never happen in real life, but how does affect the way we think about things and interact and make relationships? I, I mean, I think D and D is more reflective of real life than we give give it credit for. Uh, when it, at the end of the day, it's still storytelling, just like everything else in our lives. I find in general the best escapes have very f- familiar ties with your mundane human life. But not so much that you go, God, I, which one's the dream? Am I dreaming now? Is my real world, my real life, the D&D life? You know, no. I know my escape is when I'm playing the ultra-powerful god that sits behind the screen. Am I the dream or am I the dreamer? Dog, we're about to get into Twin Peaks. I'm too tired for that, motherfucker. Come on now. <laughs> Don't make me question my existence of Twin Peaks right now. And just a quick Googling... Yes, if we were that popular, the, the, the t-shirt is possible. I don't see it for <gasps> done, sale yet. Done, 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 done. TM, 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 TM. TM, TM, yes. Oh, God, fuck. I don't think we TM'd it at the time, so I think we're boned. Oh, we're so busied. We're busy boned, guys. Um, that's okay. We can always fix that in the edit. Mm. No, this is live. Yeah, it's too we, late. Oh, yeah. Beans, um, nerf, nerf this. Nerf this recording. How do I... How, Twitch, help me. <laughs> you can can't really trademark the idea the trick is is for a trademark you have to be the first one to make it uh, once it's made you seal it and date it and you have a pre-dated idea ready to go you, you actually fight with copyright and then oh, trademark oh now this is too real world we've definitely got too yeah, real world let, let, let's let, <laughs> let's stop failing our roles come on all right well i just i just wrote down um i can't stop fucking demons on a piece of paper and i drew, drew a stick man underneath it so 
I think you. that counts as the alpha phase of this t-shirt. Done. Per- yeah, there Thank we go. You. you are our Don't forget the here. date and the time. Oh, yeah. Like, cite, cite this recording. Cite it now, otherwise we're boned. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, politics, guys. Um, I, I I have, like, dealt with, like, some politics things in the whole world building because I kind of... It's one of those things that when you're when you're creating a big world, of course, there's going to be like political bullshit because you know that's that's how the world works. If there's no political bullshit, it's just going to be like an anarchist wasteland, which does sound great now that I say it out loud. But in the in the game, I've got kind of one main center of it all, so not not like an Earth where there's a lot of different capitals of a lot of different um, countries. But more, every place has kind of a a main hub that feeds into the main main hub where the overruling empress lives. Um, and it was it was kind of interesting to make that and see see if I wanted to make it like too much of an evil overlord kind of situation instead of what it actually is that I've created. Because I, I I've made it so it's not actually the worst place on earth like we don't have an over ruler that is out so to it's destroy not boston everything. massachusetts like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh grim but um yeah it's it's just kind of because i my, my thinking for it was like i i kind of wanted to have that this is going to be a main boss at some time like like the evil overlord that rules everything the big bad guy but then at the same time if this kind of city state thing is basically behind ruling everything and it has for years upon years realistically in my mind i don't think that would work like i feel like there would be a time where people would get together and be like hey this fucking sucks um and because i'd written it that it was like thousands upon thousands of years old it was more a thing of i had to see how they'd improved it over time Instead of just be like, they suck and you want to hurt them. Well, a good real world analogy on how you can use a, a, a long storied history is, you know, you've got the Roman Empire. You could have used that as a baseline. Yeah. Because, hey, they were despotic and eventually they lost, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But what was left behind was some great architecture, some great running, okay. great uh water systems and farming systems then you have in the extreme like the mongols they conquered a lot they didn't really have good structure but what they left behind was tons of descendants that are all connected to the mongol race real world can help influence world building yeah it's just a matter of how much you want it to be real I think I think that that's like a very like a really interesting point like that is one of like the big do thisses of a world building. It's just look at real life because some fucking crazy shit has happened in real life, and like especially like in terms of yeah. like political climates and like empires taking over and kind of working that is totally fun. Like if you want to steal ideas from history, don't even get me history, started. Do you know it. who the U.S. president is right now? Oh god! Yeah, talk about Caligula an taking over. Isn't it Obama still? Y'all still have Obama. Right? <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all still doing that thing, right? Like, I wish. I, I turned like I turned off my internet a while ago. Like I, I just kept living oh. my own little happy bubble. So, but anyway, that's too much real world again. Um, but also, yeah. we're we're probably gonna have to start wrapping up. So. Let's do let's do what we did last time and have like a kind of 
our our last our last like notes on world building. Uh, I'll I'll go first so you chuckle fucks like have a time to fucking think <laughs> about your answer. Uh, I'm I'm left swinging in the wind. Um, but for me, I would say my my main advice for the kind of section that we've been talking about, the kind of like how races and classes and real world politics ties into the world. Uh, I would suggest if you have some time just to think, like that that sounds weird, but if you have time just to like have a sit and have just like a very genuine think about the world as it is in the real life, um, you can very much transpose that over to D&D and do some like interesting things. Uh, I would also say make sure that you add something of your own to it. Like I, I... I feel like it makes you more invested in your own world and the choices that are made in it. If you have your own individual input that is not necessarily in the Dungeon Master's Guide, because boy, is it more interesting when it's a little bit more, a little bit more of you in there, because you're God. Does anyone have anything right now? Um, yeah, if you take away anything about how you want your world to look, the best thing to do is to actually think how real do you want it to be come on it's a game mic drop good that, that was shorter than anyone else's i wasn't expecting it was very it was concise and nice uh anyway adam how about you i'd say the biggest advice to creating any world D or otherwise is that uh your world is affected by the people in it and the people in it are affected by the world and it's a, a feedback loop that writes the story itself so as long as you can keep it interacting between the two that's where the energy for the world comes from ian how about you yeah um i would say yeah if i had to give one piece of advice it'd be to try to just avoid the constant tolkien-esque cliches that are uh present in pretty much all fantasy these days i feel like fantasy's become very codified in this sort of medieval uh european setting and uh I, I I would really like to see the genre kind of move away from that in some different directions. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Anyway, so that's going to that's gonna be it for us. Um, Ian, you also had uh, a plug for us, didn't you? Yes. Uh, my friend has a Let's Play channel called Virtual Vigilantes. Um, they have an awesome series on Dark Souls 3 and uh, SCP Containment Breach. Those are probably my favorites if you want to go have a look. But yeah, as for me, uh, you can always find me... Uh, on Twitch at a teacup gamer, uh, you can find me on YouTube at teacup gamer, which is not at all confusing. Uh, but if you go over to Twitch, you can find all of my other things, all my like social media, all that good shit. Uh, that's also where you will be able to find uh, the Discord channel for Crit Chat. So you can go there and talk to us there if you want to talk about this episode or future episodes. Do some suggestions of what you want us to talk about. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah. Oh, there's also in my, in the description for A Teacup Gamer, there is the link to where you can go and download the previous episode, uh, to listen in your own time, which is cool. And I suggest you do that because it was also a very good episode. Um, but until then, we will see you next Tuesday at 5 p.m. GNT. Uh, until then, I have been Isbe. I'm Adam. I've been Ian. And I've been James. And you guys have been listening to... A crit chat. See you later, guys. Join us live on Twitch, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. on A Teacup Gamer.